G'day and welcome back to the MyPeg podcast, home of holistic development. Thank you for joining us today here with the Brown Dog Brownie. How are you, mate? Hello, Cameron. Good to be here with you again today for another episode of the MyPeak podcast. It's a great time of the week. Thank you all for joining us again and looking to further your holistic development both on and off the field. Awesome. So today's episode is going to be the start of a few episodes moving forward. So if you follow us on the socials, a couple of months ago, you probably saw our story and even a couple of reels be flooded by Shane Watson and his new book, Winning the Inner Battle. What we're going to do today and a few more episodes moving forward, we're just going to deep dive into a few of the uh, chapters or key takeaways that we thought made a big impact on us as coaches and as players as well. And we're going to deep dive into what we uh, think of those new topics to us or reaffirming some things that we know about in the past as well. Yeah, I love this book. And um, it was just a book that I thought came out at such a good time for us, really. Like when you think about what we've been trying to implement at training with our athletes and sort of preach, it was just so nice to get a bit of confirmation from such a superstar and someone as prestigious as Watto um, to have so many, I guess, similar teachings or values um, that he lives by and, want, and wants to get out to the cricketing world. Um, and then we sort of read through it, only just sort of affirmed what we were teaching, which is really nice. So really looking forward to uh, diving into this one and, and sharing some of the really important and key and exciting takeaways we got from Rotto and, and how you guys can sort of uh, implement that I guess a little bit more consistently. Awesome. It's you're right. It come at a good time. It also, I think it was really uh, special because it come from Shane Watson, mm. a guy. Well, one of my favourite players growing up, but also a guy that was uh, very commonly known around the cricketing community. That he didn't quite achieve the potential that he had, even though he had obviously a very uh, lustrous and very dominant career. I think the cricket community, or especially the Australian cricket community, uh, watching him play knew that he could have scored a lot more runs, probably in the test arena more than anything, but Mm, mm. had a more dominant career if, like he says in the book, he knew what he does now 10 or 15 years ago. And you can say that about any cricketer. You always get better and more knowledgeable at the back end, but... I think for Shane Watson, as he says in the book, it's these topics would have made such a big impact on him as a younger player in that, especially in that test team, but as a in a cricketing career as a as a whole. It's funny the scrutiny he got because in terms of all rounder status, like there wasn't too much better, and the fact that he probably left some runs and wickets out on the field, it's just insane to think that he had you know, like he says, uh, if he knew what he knew now back then, what he could have got out of his career like it was so hard for us to sort of find a good all-rounder until sort of Cameron Green came into the um, picture but we were sort of searching for an all-rounder for probably like what almost five six seven years since he retired Mm. and um, it probably wasn't until we lost Watto in the team we realized how valuable he was and it's just funny to think that he could have he could have been so much better and then once we once we were without him we were like oh (laughs) we could do with someone like Watto again so yeah, absolutely. I think because he was also such a three-dimensional player mm. as in batting, bowling, fielding, and also T20 one days and tests as well. So 
he was he had it all Watto but let's get into today's topic so today's topic we're going to discuss one of the chapters in the book it's titled a times b equals results now that sounds awesome doesn't it do a times b and it equals results we're going to run through what that actually means and then we're going to give you some examples of where we've seen athletes or cricketers perhaps utilize this uh, to optimize performance and then also some barriers where athletes have run into that reduces performance so basically what it means is a the a in the times b a is all of the things that you can control and the b is all of the things that you can't control so your performance is determined a what you can control however the results are only based off times in that by the things outside of your control yeah awesome let's give a couple of examples on the list a shall we yeah all right so in Watto's book he outlines a few things that we are in total control of and things that we can bring to our performance in that moment in time and those include things like our talent our skills our experience and knowledge the fitness that we possess how well rested we are so our recovery and our sleep our nutritional status our energy levels and hydration our level of commitment to the task in which we're engaged in so our purpose and the effort and specific focus we bring to that moment of our performance which sounds a lot like our summer series topics <laughs> yeah beautiful and what about so they're the things we are in control of and what aren't we or what are some examples of things that we aren't in control of yeah and this list really resonated with me i think we often see players um get so frustrated when these things happen and it's funny when shane just outlines it in the in the book is things that we have no control over and yet we fixate so much on. So these include things that other people are doing, rules and regulations, umpiring decisions is a big one, the quality of our opposition, equipment issues, conditions that we face, and I think often we don't probably think about those enough, the matchups during the game, selections and opportunity in a game. I think about that a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. It's like, give me a bowl now while those guys are in, they're fresh to the crease. And then Spinner comes on. <laughs> Two people are set on 40 and 50, and then it's just funny how it happens. And then we've got the attitude of the people around us, which is a big one. Mm. That's a huge one. The effectiveness and talent of our teammates and what our competitors choose to do. Yeah, awesome. There's some really good examples. There's obviously plenty more as well. But the it just it's probably something a lot of people think about, and I thought about this a lot, but just to see it, written so simply that the a times the b equals the results Mm. it's you can be bringing your best version of yourself to a particular game and nailing all those a elements however could be a day where all the b factors are going against you and even though you've done everything you can you could be walking away from that cricket field that day not achieving the results that you wanted to on the flip side you might not be turning up your best version of A, but you get all the B factors go your way and you do achieve results. Yeah, that's such a great point, Cam. Like, we could have two umpiring decisions that go our way and the conditions fall perfectly into our favor and we get the bowlers that we match up to perfectly and maybe, you know, we didn't get the best rest or we didn't prepare as well as we did. We're not totally focused, but because we've had so many B factors fall into our lap, um, you know, those things go our way. And I think it's important that that's why if we can just bring our, our best A self as often as possible, when we do get a couple of B factors fall into our lap, 
that's when we can get not just, you know, good scores or average wickets, but, you know, really make a big dent in the game. Yeah, awesome. So let's deep dive into the first half of the performance equation first, and that's the A A factors, all the things in our control. So this straight away made me think of all of our processes. Mm. These are the things, like we said, we're in total control of. So these are the elements that we want to be fully committed to at training in our preparation for game day when we arrive on game day but then also during the game as well what are we doing with all of these a factors perhaps at the lunch break at drinks breaks um, when you're waiting to bat when you're waiting to bowl in between spells when you're fielding all of these a factors that you can uh, prioritize in order to like we said bring the best version of yourself to the game and every ball as well yeah, the thing I love about this equation is I so often either had athletes or myself when I was playing, I would, you know, someone would come to me and say, I've done all these things well, like I've got the sleep, nutrition was good, you know, I'm feeling fit and strong, I've hit plenty of balls, I've bowled plenty of balls this week, why is it not falling in my lap? And that's, I think, what I love most about this equation is that, yes, we can do all the A things right, but, um, you know, this is based off percentage, so where giving ourselves the best opportunity this is why i just love this a side so much because we can do all we can all do so much work on this side but we still got to realize that you know everyone else is trying to trying to do their a side as best as possible too and sometimes it might just match up on their day yeah awesome i think what also stood out for me was and we do this a lot at my peak is that reflection after our performances whether that's training or game day performances And this is where your reflection, you want to be solely focused on these A factors. Mm. And again, the word process has just come to mind. How can we evaluate or assess our processes after our training or game day in particular for this equation in order to improve every time or in order to um, analyze what did go well and how can I go about doing this more consistently or more often? Yeah, for me, the word trust comes into it here as well because I think a lot of the time when things aren't working or we're not getting the results that we want, we look to change our A factors or you know we try something new or implement a new training style or lift the um, volume in what we're doing. And I think with the element of trust, when we've sort of figured out a formula or we're being coached or we've got a support network in a few of these areas then all we have to do is trust these guys or trust our coaches or trust the processes that we've put in place um, because these aren't the sole uh, indicator for our performance and if we're not trusting um, not only ourselves but our people around us I think we go looking for ways to change things that are actually going to work we just have to make sure we're sticking at it and committing to it for a long enough time to see you know a few B results fall into our lap and then we can really see how the formula can favor us. Awesome. All right, let's move on to that B side. So like we said, these are all the factors that are outside of our control. Now, these are the things, I think the two words that come to my mind that you want to try and do with these B factors is identify and recognize. However, not try and control. I know Shane Watson gave an example in the book when he was going through his LBWs and sometimes you come up against an umpire and he thought, oh, this bloke's going to fire me and he'll start to change his processes Mm. to get his pad outside the line because he was worried about getting LBW from this umpire. And that's as soon as you start to control the uncontrollable, that's where you're uh, affecting your A factors in order 
to avoid a B factor. So like that word trust is a very good word for this factor. So identify and recognize like conditions is probably the best one to think about here or even opposition. Mm. Identify who you're playing or the conditions you're playing in, recognize it, but don't try and control it because you can't control this. And the more time you spend on um, trying to control something that you can't, the further you come away from your A factors. However, if you identify and then you can adapt, you might be able to play in a, if the conditions suit you, you might be able to trust your gut and take the game on. Or if the conditions don't suit you, then perhaps you might have to adapt your game to be a little bit more manipulative that day. But as soon as you try and control those conditions or the opposition or umpire's decisions, that's where you're going to spend more time thinking about what you uh, can't control rather than controlling what you are good at or what you can bring to the game. That's a good point. And I think about these B factors as it can almost act like a snowball effect. And I think what we can do as athletes is start to use them as excuses for why maybe we're not being successful too. And then all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more of our focus. And you so often hear, oh, he just needs a bit of luck or, oh man, I've just had no luck at all. Like, you know, umpire's given me this, I've been run out. And all of a sudden it just starts to become a little bit of our makeup and our mind starts to focus on, oh, you know, how am I going to be unlucky today? How am I going to be unlucky today? But if we just identify that, these things have nothing to do with us. We can't control these. We can hardly influence them at all. And if we can sort of just detach from the result, you know, anytime one of these B factors come into play, I think it just allows us to go back into our preparation for the next round or the next game with a really clear and open plan on, on how to be successful. I, I just think that we fixate on these so much when it goes wrong um, and it just brings sort of a negative uh, vibe or a negative energy and, and so often it can snowball and we start to somehow these B factors start to come in and, and creep in and, and happen to us more when we play the victim of them. Yeah, good point. I think that's a really good point. And then going on from that too, the, it's like the reverse of what we spoke about in the A factors. When we're reflecting on why we did well or how we could do better on the A factors, the B factors, we want to, again, identify and recognize why something might have happened, but not let that play a role in our development moving forward. We want to use these as motivation and encouragement to get better however if you're trying to uh, like we said fixate on these b factors yeah you might achieve a little bit of short-term success but long-term growth and long-term development is going to suffer due to you fixated on these things that you have no control over despite like shane watson says in the book sometimes you feel like you do have control over and as soon as you get into that mindset then you're going away from your a factors which you can control so where does that leave us now as sort of coaches cam and i we would encourage you to um, place your preparation and focus on the a factors as much as possible and then quickly identify when a b factor has been at play in a game and then quickly detach from that result and move on towards the next week for preparation so i guess the one that i want to ask you cam is the talent, the skills, and the experience. How can we, if we're in control of those things, how can we work on things like experience, especially as a younger athlete? Oh, that's a brilliant question. Experience has only come through uh, taking yourself outside your comfort zone, challenge yourself at training, uh, even in games, playing more cricket. The more you can do both on and off the field, like we preach here at My Peak, the more experience you're going to gain. Like That is something you're in total control of 
watching all of the Summit Series videos and gaining more experience about your preparation and your reflection, playing more cricket, um, getting down to the nets a few more times a week. Experience is probably the thing that you have the greatest control over. And if you look at the guys at the top level and girls, often they're the things that can separate your elite, elite players to your probably more standard players. They've just been around for a little bit longer. They understand what to do in certain situations. They get it right more often. And like I said, in that B factors, you're going to have more long-term success in the future because you've been there and done that before. Yeah, that's really good. What about um, in terms of just knowledge? And I know you probably touched on it in a bit of experience before, but when I think about knowledge, I think about, well, what resources do I have um, to become more educated in a specific topic? Like, how would you do it when you were younger? Would you go and speak to some of the older players or would you go and speak to maybe some of the first graders or the guys in the New South Wales Pathways or the girls? How would you try and um, accelerate your knowledge a little bit quicker? Yeah, well, that's why we started My Peak because when I was that age, I knew, well, I know now that I could have done it better. Mm. So that's why we're now trying to help youngsters come through uh, to... If I coached myself at that age, I think I would have been a far better player. Mm. So... I think the knowledge, again, is something that youngsters have total control of. It's uh, The only limit you place on yourself is how far you want to take it. And our Summit Series is the perfect example of that. You can jump on every week and consume uh, what, six videos on six different topics of meditation, audio. There's so much different resources. Then you can bounce ideas off players that have been there, done that. Even players that you're playing with now, it doesn't have to be the best player that you've ever seen to learn from. You can learn from any player, perhaps another player that's more skilled in a particular area, whether that's a shot, a delivery, a fielding position. Bounce ideas off them. Some will work and some will be developed into your game for many years to come and some won't resonate with you at all. But if you don't ask the question, you won't get an answer and you won't be able to trial and experiment into your own game. So the next one that Shane speaks about is fitness and rest. And I want to get a take on what you think here, Cam. You're pretty fit. You've um, prioritized your strength and conditioning for a number of years now. How do you sort of find that balance or how would you coach one of our younger athletes to find a good balance between working really hard to have that sort of fitness edge or that physical edge, but also being well rested enough to be mentally fresh and physically fresh come the weekend oh well i think they go hand in hand the more you do it the more the fitter you get the more fresh you're going to be in the long term Mm. i think dive into the the first element of that first if you're going to walk into a game this weekend a little bit fatigued it's going to be better for you in the future so yes you want to be well well rested for every game you play however if you're perfectly rested for every game you play from now to your end of your career you're probably gonna (laughs) leave a little bit of water in the tank to how good you can become Mm. so i remember when i was a bit younger i was turned up to games fully fatigued Mm. but you find a way to score runs that day and by the end of the season you feel like a completely different player because you've pushed yourself to become a further um fitter mentally physically um both on and off the field so I think like, yeah, you want to be well rested, but you want to be well rested for the games that you want to be winning more. So probably at this time of the year, heading into finals, you want to be prioritizing your rest and recovery a little bit more. But I would challenge a lot of youngsters, especially if they're young, young, if you're only 10 or 11 years old, 
challenge yourself to get as fit as you can at a young age. If you achieve results, score runs, take wickets now, and you're prioritizing your fitness, in a few years' time, you'll be unstoppable. Well, I think the other great thing about rest, and you touched on it with recovery, is we've got so many resources now, and I suppose knowledge and and science to back it up, how well we can be uh, rested and recovered with a few different resources. Like our number one resource is obviously sleep and prioritizing like consistent bedtimes and you know a few other things around getting good rest but you now we've got our meditation that's obviously a way to restore the the sort of um the mental health that we've got so we can be mentally fresh we've got you know cold exposure saunas we've got a bunch of different things yoga stretching that will actually allow us to feel um really well rested even if we've, we've been working really hard we've got those resources to sort of counteract you know those high loads of um of uh, physical development and things like that so i think that's a good point like we can we can push really hard and and it's important in the long term but we've also got resources now that we don't have to have you know thursday friday off to feel fresh come saturday we can work hard all the way up to friday afternoon if we're really consistent with our recovery each day yeah well the father of uh, recovery is sleep and the mother of recovery is hydration there you go so you can start your hydration well, you don't want to stop your hydration. You can continue your hydration throughout the week so you're optimizing your recovery and be fully, or well, like I said, doesn't always have to be fully, but give yourself the best chance at performance come game day. Well, that's the next one, Cam. So nutritional status and hydration. As a young athlete, how can we stay in control of those things consistently? And especially as maybe an athlete who doesn't cook all their meals, what kinds of advice are you sort of giving them around nutrition and hydration oh i think at a young age you just want to be just be aware of what you're eating and when you're drinking when drinking i say water (laughs) (laughs) no just awareness of what's going in your mouth and then once you have the awareness of what you're eating i think it's a lot easier for you to start to determine what foods you're eating at, at what times you're eating them as well at a young age you don't have a lot of control because mum cooks or dad cooks Uh, But you also do have awareness of perhaps this isn't the best thing for me to be eating for breakfast on game day or for dinner the night before a game. And once you develop an awareness, the conversation to mum or dad or brother or sister will become a lot easier in order for you to feel a little bit uh, better or a little bit give your body the best chance at optimizing performance, particularly if you're heading into a big weekend of cricket and you're like we said these a factors are things that you need to take total control of because you might turn up to cricket on saturday and b factors aren't your way and if you're not appropriately fueled then you're not giving yourself a best chance of achieving those results so hydration is a good one and i often see athletes you know say things like oh i'm not a massive fan of water so i like drink cordial or i'll drink um uh, Powerade and Gatorade like what's your take on that what should athletes be trying to do with their hydration in terms of like what actual liquid should they be drinking well obviously water is the best yeah but you'd rather drink cordial than nothing sure so like I know when I was younger I always just drank water so it's <clears throat> it was a little bit easier for me but there are a lot of people that like cordial or hydrolyte or Gatorade Powerade Steminade Bison whatever it is that you enjoy <laughs> drinking but Water is definitely the best source. However, if you're not 
Or if you do drink a certain amount of water and you feel like you can't drink more, but you're happy to drink some hydrolyte, then do that. And over a long period of time, hopefully you start to understand the benefits of it. And then even if you don't necessarily feel like drinking or sipping on your water the day before a game or the morning of a game, in the future when you start to cramp or achieve these things that you don't want to achieve, you'll start to, uh, the motivation to drink water will outweigh the the disinterest in the taste or the consistency of drinking it yeah and i think my advice would be you know if you're you know not someone who necessarily really enjoys drinking water is to obviously start with something that um is enjoyable for you to stay hydrated whether that is powerade gatorade cordial or hydrolyte and slowly um try and move to the next stage so be sort of drinking your powerades and gatorade see if you can maybe get to your cordial and then slowly make it weaker and weaker so there's more water and then slowly transition into your hydrolyte so if you can just sort of try and um, wean off it over time um, you'll eventually end up you know where you want to be which is consuming purely water i suppose um awesome. I, I think the other thing is that i did when i was a younger athlete and i think it's just really simple advice and most of us has heard it before is to have a drink bottle inside and this comes back to another episode um we spoke about habits and having that cue there you know when it's out of sight it's out of mind if it's in front of you and cam's got his drink bottle right here it's right in front of him he can see it all the time he always has that cue to grab it and drink it that's he's going to take a sip now which is great so um have your water bottle in sight and and don't just do it thursday friday don't just do it saturday make it a habit seven days a week um you know here at my peak we're passionate about you know off-field performance too and we want everyone to be as healthy and as, as fit and mentally fit as possible. So get your water bottle in front of you. You're at school, put it on your desk or you know, make sure it's in your locker somewhere where you can view it all the time so it's a cue to, to have a big gulp every now and then. That's good advice. I got that advice. I reckon I was 17 or 18 just to keep a drink bottle with you all the time and it stuck with me and I did do that probably at the back end of school and then heading into uni and it's exactly the same life post-school. All right, the last one in which Shane Watson says we can totally control is our commitment and our engagement to a task, our focus. So, mm. Cam, again, I'll put you in the coach's box here. Um, young athlete, sort of maybe not the best at focusing or concentrating or being totally committed to a task. How, over time, can we get them to be uh, more focused, more committed, whether that be at training or in the battle in the game, uh, whether that just be during the week on on these uh, sort of holistic topics, how can we get them totally committed? Great question. I think it comes down, or for me anyway, to two things. One is passion. Mm. First thing, like, if you're passionate about something, you're going to be more committed and more uh, dedicated in order to commit to, like we said earlier, some things aren't always fun, but you know that if you do them, you're going to achieve results off the back of it. And if your passion and your excitement to do something is a lot higher than someone else, then you're more likely to commit to these things in order to achieve the results. So passion would be, I think, my number one advice, and there's so many ways you can develop a passion. If you uh, don't watch a lot of cricket, my first advice would be to watch more cricket and start to get to know the people on TV a little bit better, watch them a little bit more often. And I would, rec- I would strongly say that I think your passion for the game would grow. Mm. And the second one is just that it is like focus is a skill more than anything. You can't get better at something if you don't tr- like practice or train it. 
and focus is just like that you go to the gym to get stronger in order to focus you need to train your mindset it's all about mindfulness meditation um, simply sitting down and doing some mindfulness where you're sitting down focusing on one thing and then when your mind gets distracted bring your focus back to whatever it is you were thinking about would you say that's why you see a lot of cricketers doing like crosswords and find words and things like that just being able to stay committed and focused to one task and sort of just staying mentally sharp yeah probably it's probably that plus also keeping your mind off yeah distracting and yeah. switching off probably crosswords aren't so much focus it's more of a mental stimulation rather mm. than a proper focus activity like shane watson does an elite focus activity in his yeah. book where you gotta identify the numbers and once you've found one you move on to the next um but yeah i think passion would be number one but also understand that anything like shane watson says throughout that he'd almost say it in every chapter that the mindset is a uh, a skill that you need to train and develop in order to get better at it and you can't just expect it's going to happen by itself just like going to the gym or doing a running session or hitting balls in the net so you won't get better at your skills or that overnight you need to train these things over a long period of time in order to see uh, the effect that it can have on your performance both on the field with the results and off the field in your life development as well yeah i think my advice would be until our um, commitment and focus becomes an ingrained habit, uh, write down your why on why you're actually doing certain behaviors. You know, why are you playing cricket today? Why are you out in the middle? Why are you going for a run? Uh, why are you in the gym? Why are you eating these specific foods? If you have a driving factor on your behavior, I think it's so much easier to recommit um, maybe when you do get distracted or you lose a bit of focus, if you go, no, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z, I think you can become uh, very internally motivated in that moment. And I think that's a good thing to think about when we're in the battle. Um, if you can think about in a game, well, why am I out here? What am I doing? Why should I be totally focused on? It should give you some driving motivation to switch back into gear. And eventually over time, we know that these things create habits and it becomes an unconscious practice. So if you're not at that unconscious uh, practice yet and, and you're still building a habit, make sure you write down your why um, on why you want to do um, specific behavior, behaviors. Brilliant advice. And that will lead us into another Shane Watson topic for a future podcast episode. Yeah, if you haven't read Shane Watson's book, we'll give him a little plug here. It's called Winning the Inner Battle. And it's been all over his socials. And Cam read it in a few days and I read it in a few days. And it was something we really enjoyed. And uh, probably um, yeah, lifted our passion a little bit and it was really good conversation for the both both of us to talk about. So that was just one little chapter. I think that was only about four or five pages worth of a 160-page book. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to go and grab that one. It's um, full of great teachings and great knowledge. Absolutely. Strongly recommend. We'll uh, definitely do some more of these in the future. We'll deep dive into some other uh, topics or open open some worm or some rabbit holes not some wormholes you're thinking some, about the garden <laughs> some exciting things moving forward there's probably three other key themes this would be one of them he talks about throughout the book a lot the a times b equals results there's probably three other key themes and we'll touch on them in future episodes so stay tuned we look forward to bringing that to you yeah just wanted to ask a quick favor of our listeners if you are enjoying the podcast episode if you follow us on social media in our uh, bio there is a linkedin tree there if you clicked on that 
um, there are some um, reviews that you can do on the podcast. So even just a quick uh, three, four, five star review, hopefully five, and um, a little bit of uh, feedback would be great. Where uh, always trying to critique and improve the content that we produce and if you guys are enjoying it we'd love to hear that and uh, go a long way in getting our reach out there a little bit more awesome we'll catch you next time on the my peak podcast